Hey, look, look at this one. Look at this one. This is I gotta I gotta throw this one in here. This is from yesterday. Did you catch this? A little bit of Martz yesterday. Look at this. Listen to this. Mike Martz on the thirty third team. Okay. He's a special player. I mean, Debo obviously has a big effect too, but that's not that's not uh, the reason for his success. I mean, that who he is is never. He's. I think people when he start making having those turnovers, expect him to be perfect. And he's still got a little bit of a learning curve too, you know, and, and they're putting him, the more he does, the more they ask him to do. I was guilty of that. So you gotta be careful too. You got, you forget he's just a young guy, you know, if you're not careful. So they went back and he kept things pretty static for him. And, but where he's really exceptional guys is he just under pressure. He stands in there and makes throws that most guys, he's a courageous player. We talked about CJ, same thing. Courageous, but stand in there making throws and under duress that most That's guys it. just can't or won't make, you know? And accurate, tough, calm, just, you know, ice in his veins, so to speak, you know? The Joe Montana thing is really accurate. I think it's a good analogy. I really do. Those people that, I mean, they just jump off the, the bandwagon at the first opportunity. I think that's just the nature of some people. I mean, they just, they can't wait for you to have a, you know, a bad moment. Yeah. So he take a shot at you, but he's a real deal. There, there you go. Look, I people mean, who are really stock traders know what a good investment is. Brock Purdy is a great investment for the 49ers. Full stop. They bought low. They're already getting a huge return on that investment. Um, he is the lowest priced quarterback in football with the highest QBR rating. Like find me a better success to, to starting point ratio than that. I mean, th there is there is an argument now to be made that, you know, th when we're talking about the greatest values in the history of Bay Area sports contract, I don't know if we'll ever see anything better than Steph Curry winning MVPs with a $44 million contract extension. You know, like that, that was incredible. That's the greatest value I think the NBA has ever seen. Steph winning MVPs making $11 million a year. Brock might be second. Like Brock, I mean, he's, he's making what eight hundred and forty grand or something this year. Yeah, I mean, salary doesn't even count towards the cap. That's how little we're paying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, and and he's and he, you know we'll see we'll see where it goes from here. But I I think they're back on the beam now. The question is, they get Tampa next week. They got to follow that up with a win. Then it's into the gauntlet of Thanksgiving night in Seattle, which is going to be enormously challenging. I do think the 49ers are going to win that game. Um, on on Thanksgiving night, I really believe that. I think they're they've got a shot to beat Philly in Philly. Um, I think the 49ers will fire a good effort in that game. You know, so it, this is going to be an exciting part of the season. You know, the bottom line too. I mean, I think this is one take that I think needs to be thrown out there is that the 49ers are, have so many big time players at this point that you know they look like. They didn't take the first part of the year on the same level. Like they knew they were going to dial it up as the season went on. If you look at Shanahan's record here in San Francisco, pre, uh, pre buy, post buy, it's night and day. I mean, and, and why is that? I don't know. Maybe it's a tone they strike. Maybe it's uh, a tone Shanahan strikes, but this team has an ability to get to that next level. We've seen it. What now? Three years in a row? Four years in a row? Where they've, where they've kind of they're stumbling around. They're not looking great. Different quarterbacks, different rosters, different leaders, different strengths and weaknesses. 
and yet they seem, they seem like they circle the wagons. They get a little bit better. Um, now the question is, can they maintain it? And, and, and then the other question is, how much of yesterday was about the Niners getting better or how much of that is that the Jacksonville Jaguars aren't as good as we think? You know, I mean, there's there were an awful lot of people who were yelling and screaming nationally that the Jaguars were, you know, should have been favored and, you know, this and that. And they're really special. And all this talk about the Niners, Greg Brandt embarrassed himself on the NFL Network morning show, just going off on who are the Niners? They were just a team that was good early in the year. What they are is probably, you know, one of the forget the iconic franchise because that doesn't really matter. But what they are is one of the deepest rosters with one of the best collections of star talent, uh, star talent groups in the entire league. And they got out. They looked like the best team early. Then they went into a three game funk. We'll see. I mean, I don't know what it's a week to week league, right? Yesterday, they looked like as good as almost anybody. Well, and you talk about the post buy, like, I, you know, I don't, I don't have the necessarily the bye weeks built into this, but you know, everyone was saying that this start five and zero was great. And then th- the three losses in a row basically disintegrated the five and zero from even mattering anymore. And this is a disastrous start and it's bad and it's bad and it's bad and it's bad and it's bad. Okay. Well, you're overreacting once again, because here's the truth. Again, these are just the facts, Larry, forget about my opinion. These are facts. The 49ers are off to their second best start in the Kyle Shanahan era. Look in nine games, the first nine games of 2019, the year they went to the Super Bowl, they were eight and one. A phenomenal start. In 2020, they were four and five. In 2021, through nine games, they were four and five. In 2022, through nine games, they were five and four. Now, here we are in 2023. They're six and three. That's the best nine game start other than eight and one in Kyle's career. And it's still wow. not good enough for people. You know, it's a, oh, but the three losses are, blah, 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 blah. yeah, they're still off to the best eight, nine game start that you can pretty much ask for. I mean, just- how about this one, too? I mean, I kept hearing criticism of Brock last week, and it was always tied to they've scored 17 points three weeks in a row. Okay. But guess what happened yesterday? They scored over 30 points for the sixth time this year, most of any team in the NFL. Right. The Niners have more 30-point wins, 30-point games scoring this year than any other team in pro football. So, look, to, to truly evaluate a player, and this is something that, you know, biased content creators need to start factoring in for their own credibility. But to evaluate a player truly, you just can't select co- select from, you know, the buffet, the columns that support your argument he's not good. You know, you cannot say, well, he's thrown five interceptions in the last three weeks without also acknowledging he didn't throw any in the first five. Right. Or that he has fewer than all these quarterbacks that you prefer to him. Right. He's consistently outplaying higher paid, better drafted, more seasoned, deeper into their careers quarterbacks. The only way Brock Purdy doesn't look good is if you're measuring against, you know, guys who are in the Hall of Fame. And actually, if you just take the sample of the beginning of their careers, he looks better than most of all of them, too. You know, I mean, like, it's it, it's absurd. The amount of people who really want to insist that all of these data points of success 
don't matter nearly as much as their preordained opinion that went back to training camp that it should have been Trey Lance. It's nuts. It's nuts. I, I, again, maybe I'm, this is, you're, you're old, Damon. This is how the young people like to talk about sports. Well, this is why young people should just shut the fuck up and listen to older people who know what they're talking about. Seriously. It's, it's, um, this guy's special. He's really good at the, at the beginning of his career, he's performing at a, a pace and a level that very few quarterbacks in this league can even stay with. What does it mean? Where does it all go? I don't know. I, you know, I don't know, but it's about as good of a start to a career as you can find. And if that's not good enough for some of you, I don't know what you're looking for. Well, I mean, we we debated it when he was when when he was off to this unbelievable start, and we were always we were all kind of speculating. Okay, we know he's not going to win every game. We know he's going to turn the ball over. All quarterbacks do. What when we get beyond this hot start, which is inevitably what we're seeing, right? Because nobody wins every game, and nobody doesn't throw any picks. You know, you're gonna you're gonna lose games. You're gonna throw picks. It's the nature of the beast. But we were all trying to debate. What does real Brock look like? And I think now, I think we've got a real, here we are, it's week going into week 11. I think we now, in year two, have a look at what he is. He turned the ball over. He had 33 interceptions in college. Um, he's trying to make plays, and sometimes he's going to get overzealous with the football. What's the Brock's bad day? He's, he knows how to process, and he knows how to, how to move the football team. Um, and he, so like what we saw basically in the Cincy game and in the Minnesota game, that's bad Brock, which is, um, he moves the, moves the team plays good for three quarters and then gets overzealous and throws a couple picks. He shouldn't have. Um, and that's what, that's where coaching has to come into play. That's where Shanahan's got to rein him in. That's where Brock's got to fight against his tendency to make a play on every turn. Sometimes you got to just, you know, to uh, punt and and go on to the next series and lean on your on the rest of your team. I mean, you can't always try to force every single play. So we now that we've seen his tendency, uh, that's it. He's he's got to be patient. He's got to be better, careful with the football. If he's patient and careful with the football, he's your guy. What does he fight? He fights tendencies where he's not patient and he tries to make a play and he's not careful with the football and he turns it over. So I think we've seen, and and even in the midst of those games, he still looked awesome for three quarters against Minnesota. Going into the fourth quarter, he'd completed 85% of his passes on the road on Monday Night Football. Going into that Cincinnati game, he was the Niners' best player for three three quarters of the game. Uh, But then... Bad Brock popped up, and we got what we got in the fourth quarter. So, right, and look, I think we now have a pretty good idea of what he is. He's he he knows how to process. The ball's going to come out on time. He's going to be pretty accurate. He's really really smart young guy. He's very competitive. Um, and um, what you got to coach out of him is his impatience and his um looseness with the ball. And as long as he can take care of the football, they got a great chance to win almost every game that that he's in and that's a great spot i mean this wasn't damon one last thought this jacksonville team was in a lot of ways the toughest team he's going to face why because his tendency or his weakness is to turn it over and they had 18 takeaways and yet the niners came in he took care of the football 
and, and and they wind up winning a blowout game on the road against a you know and running the ball for 144 against one of the league's top run defenses absolutely helped. Look, in week seven and eight, where he had two interception games in back-to-back weeks and everyone was trying to hop off the bandwagon, what he also did was complete 70% of his passes. Again, greater than the best career completion percentage ever recorded in football history. He's recording 70% of his passes. He's completing them with 713 total yards over the course of two weeks. Like, that's that's letting her rip. That's really playing well. But, again, you had the interceptions. But... Uh, this guy is, he will probably never be as good as the most hopeful Niner fan would hope him to be. And he will never be as nearly as bad as some people are trying to tell you that he is. And again, there's a guy just a few minutes ago on, on the chat named Always Drip 805. <laughs> yes, always. What did Always Drip have to say? Well, he says a franchise quarterback wins with no name players. He makes no-name players all look like pro players. Brock Purdy wouldn't win without CMC and Kittle until I can see him win without the Avengers cast to save him. What? He won't be good enough for you? So until He completed Brock a ball to Ronnie Bell yesterday, didn't he? Wait a minute. Wasn't that Darnold? Um, it, it, Was but, it? I don't know. doesn't matter. The whole point is always drip the fictitious, completely hypothetical scenario that you have invented in your mind is the hurdle that must be crossed before you believe you are the same idiot who said until Tom Brady can win without the Patriots, he's no good. I mean, like the, the, you're, you're out of your mind. So until the 49ers can get demonstrably worse around him and field a less than competitive team and he brings them to a win total that they should never have approached, then he'll be good enough for you? Like, again, you, you, you are making shit up. The imaginary scenario in your mind is not the test of an NFL quarterback's talent. The test of an NFL quarterback's talent is the game he's playing today. Not the imaginary game with all the levers pulled for you to adjust the setting of difficulty that you think need be cleared before you can say he can play. But even, even if always drip is right, um, you're still talking about a young, a young player. I mean, let's see what he is in two, three years. Right. I mean, then I, games. I, let's, but let's just see what he is down the road. Right. Um, well, but again, you know, I, I, not he, until he wins playoff games. He's won those. I mean, he people talk about, playoff games. you know, all these quarterbacks, I mean, you know, Mahomes this year has some really questionable wide receivers. He still has a great O-line, the best offensive play caller, maybe the best tight end. In history. And and a terrific young running back and a number one defense. So, I mean, it's like, you know, Lamar's good, but Lamar's also got a really good offensive line, a killer run game, um, you know, a very good, the number one defense. I mean, it's like football's a team game. Yeah, I mean, it's there's going to, you know, I mean, was Terry Bradshaw the best quarterback ever or was Terry Bradshaw the quarterback of four Super Bowl winners? He was he was damn good when he needed to be. And they won. You know, I mean, were there better quarterbacks? I mean, I I, I know what you're saying, that he's doing it with these premier weapons. Um, and that's what the Niners have. They have premier weapons. And you're right. If they took those premier weapons away, that he wouldn't be as good. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but I mean, you're telling me that suddenly Jalen Hurts could win without Devontae and AJ Brown and 
all their killer Hall of Fame offensive linemen, right? right. Dallas Goddard, and you know that you know it's like he's got some pretty good talent around him. I mean, everybody's got talent. You know, people talk about Herbert. Oh, Herbert! Could you imagine Herbert in this Niner system? How about could you imagine Keenan Allen catching passes from Brock Purdy? Keenan Allen's pretty damn good. I'm just saying, it's like almost everybody's got somebody around them. You know, is Tua? People think that Tua is great. And is Tua great, man. or does it is Tyreek and Waddle great? Right. You know, until, we can debate this forever until Brock Purdy is able to somehow turn a collective team sport into an individual sport where he can win one on eleven. I won't be impressed. And that's what people <laughs> yeah. are saying, basically. Well, you know what? It's like you know, if you don't, if you're not impressed, you're not impressed. I mean, to each their own. Uh, <clears throat> I I don't I don't understand why you're not impressed at this point. Don't act like you're not impressed. Um, but uh, you know, I, I think the guy's pretty good. I really do. Um, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But yesterday he was damn good. And to me, to me, the the uh, play of the game was after the 49ers sideline caused that touchdown by Ambry Thomas to be called back, and they're sitting at their 19 yard line, and they get to third down, and it's like, uh oh. They're about to have a huge positive play turn into a monumental negative play, and the crowd's going to get into it, and the Jaguars are going to have plenty of time to come back in that game. Instead, you know, what did Brock Purdy do? Um, you know, he completed that pass on third and nine to Ayuk for 20 yards from the 19-yard line, and all of a sudden it was just like, <sighs> So, I mean... Brock made several great throws yesterday to Ayuk, to Debo, to Kittle. Um, he just made a number of really, really good throws, and and uh, he took care of the football. I mean, the guys played great ball except for not taking care of the football in the fourth quarter of a couple games. That's it. Other than that, he played great against the Vikings. He played terrific against Cincinnati. He just turned it over in the fourth. And if that that's basically what it's the downside of Brock Purdy when he's good. They're going to win games. He's going to play great. When they lose, it's going to be because he gets overzealous, impatient, and turns the ball over. That's the good and the bad of Brock Purdy. But I'll take I'll I'll take him over Matt Corral. I'll take him over Desmond Ritter. I'll take him. Then look at how many teams. I just read an article yesterday on Bleacher Report about all the NFL teams that are going to head into this offseason looking for a quarterback. And it's like almost, I mean, the Jets, what, what's going to happen there? The Patriots are not going to exercise the fifth-year option on Mac Jones. Um, you know, I mean, I think, uh, uh, you know, the Titans are going to probably go forward with Will Levis. Uh, Colts are not really sure, but they've got Anthony Richardson. Um, you know, Denver's looking for a quarterback. Raiders, maybe are they going to go forward with with the, uh, the kid from Purdue? If not, are they going to switch up? Are the Cardinals going with Kyler? Do the Rams have their future quarterback? Are the Seahawks going with Geno? Are the Bucks going with Baker? You know what I mean? It's like uh, the Falcons going to be looking for a quarterback. Are the Bears going with Fields or Badgett? Probably not. So they're looking for a quarterback. Minnesota's looking for the replacement for Cousins. The Giants need a quarterback. The Commanders is Sam Howell the guy. I'm just saying there's there's a bunch of teams looking for quarterbacks, right? Uh, the 49ers have theirs. About 10. Yeah. Every, 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 every team, but about 10 of them are looking for quarterback. Yeah. And you can look for quarterback until you find them. And, you know, I, look, I, Larry, I've heard you say, well, what happens? Like uh, they get to the, their, their first pick and Michael Penix is on the board. 
Take him. Draft him. He's yeah, freaking awesome. Quarter, you can't have enough quarterbacks. It's just kind of the way it goes. Uh, so he's not. By the way, forget these mock drafts. I know it's early in the mock draft season, and so we haven't had anything. We haven't had the bowl season. We haven't had the combine. We haven't had any of the workouts. All that stuff. For whatever reason, Michael Penix, who started at Indiana, is now at UW, has the greatest arm maybe ever. I mean, he's like, looks like a combination of Mahomes and Flacco and Bradshaw all rolled into one. It's one of he's the great lefty. howitzers. He's a lefty, but he just throws freaking lasers. I watched their game last year. They played in a in a freaking typhoon. I mean, it was like 50-mile-an-hour wins, and the quarterback opposite him, I forget who it was, it was a night game up in Seattle. The quarterback opposite him in the game couldn't even throw to a ball to his running back. And Penix is sitting back there throwing lasers down the field, across the field to his receivers. His throws were cutting through that wind. He's got huge hands and a howitzer. And I know he's had some physical uh, problems and not everybody sees him as the perfect quarterback and so on and so forth. He's going top 10. I mean, if yeah, he's no, not he going top either. 10, I would be shocked. He's probably going to win the Heisman, and he's going top 10. Many of these mock drafts have him, you know, in the 60s or 70s. I'd draft him before Bo Nix. I mean, it, I think I think you take Caleb Bo Nix is damn good, him. too. Yeah. Look, now we're now we're talking about something else. Let's get back to the top. I'm just saying, Penix is a star. Right. Pabs. <clears throat> excuse me. Pabs 79 brings up a pretty damn good point. Do you realize that Brock Purdy is a moody field goal away from being seven and two? Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. One, one moody field goal after running the table through. as a rookie. Right. And it, winning it, two it, playoff games. Seven and two. So again, the the basically what what has happened amongst a lot of people who've determined Brock isn't good enough is they were standing on the street one day and a, a Lamborghini rolled past them. And then they looked at every other car and they just said, forget about the merits of all these other cars, just not Lamborghini, not Lamborghini, not Lamborghini, not Lamborghini. And all I understand is Lamborghini or not Lamborghini. <laughs> There's no other cars. It's Lamborghini or not Lamborghini. If you don't understand that, you know, you, you can go pretty far with like a, a Corvette, you know, like, and that's, that's what Brock is at this you point. You gotta make him a Corvette. Why can't he be like a Land Rover or something? I, um, I would, whatever, whatever your preferred other brand of car. But <laughs> the, the thing is, it's there's somewhere. In what would the, you rather have? Would you rather have a killer Land Rover for like 100K or a Corvette? I think I'd, I'd rather, rather have, have Land Rover. La yeah, the killer. I mean, Land I got Rover. kids. You know what I mean? I <laughs> roll with two car seats in the back of a Corvette. I look like a <laughs> divorced yeah. dad, douchebag idiot. <laughs> Can you? Can you even put car seats in a Corvette? Probably not. I don't know. That would be awesome to go into a Corvette dealer and just demand. How many car, car seats seat? can I get in here? How many, <laughs> how many car seats can I get in my Corvette? I got four. We have a Corvette salesman in our chat. Maybe throw, uh, give us the info on that. How many car seats fit in a Corvette? I got four kids. I got two Great Danes. I want a Corvette. <laughs> I want, exactly. I want, I want a Lamborghini and I've got a Great Dane. How does it work? Uh, it, I, I want to bounce around the NFL and talk about some of the other results because it was not exactly a a great slate, but there's some interesting stuff out there. Right, to talk before, about. before before you do, before you do, let's clear the board here because we've got indeed. a bunch of super chats. Indeed, indeed. Got over a thousand people in the room today. Uh, obviously, welcome to the Krug and Bruce Extravaganza. 49er wake up on a Monday. We're here after every 49er win. 
uh, or or loss. Hey, uh, we're here the next morning. People in the room, all thousand of you, hit that like button right now, please. It'd be good for the business, good for the brand. And if you could give a subscribe to your boy over here, we're approaching 9,000, Larry. I got a lot of catching up before I get into your category. Uh, we're on our way, though, and, and the support's been incredible. Got a lot of uh, love from Cougar, fan, uh, Cougar fans who, by the way, it was so good seeing you at Plus Mania 2, Electric Boogaloo, man. Uh, Never do that again, by the way. Never, ever, um, you know, take me out with my wife, have me drink, and then interview us both. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you want a bad, that, that, you know, uh, the risk management people that I've spoken with this week says, please, Krug, never do that again. Uh, and my wife was cringing and sitting there going, I was four drinks in talking about your your career. I'm like, oh, my God. It was good. Yeah, it was right. <laughs> I you, still... fast. you do come up with strong opinions quickly. <laughs> I mean, you are. No, you, I we, was proud of you, Larry. We laughed. But it was great meeting all the people. Seriously, we had, we had a lot of fun. And we need to do that more. And I'm going to do a meet and greet on December 17th for the Niner Cardinal game at Pig and a Pickle in, in uh, Corte Madera. So um, we'll talk more about that as we get closer because it's still it's only uh, what November thirteenth and we're talking about December seventeenth. But if you can clear your Niner road game on December seventeenth and you want to stop by and hopefully Damon will be able to come out with his mother because she'll be in town. The uh, Duchess and wife like some barbecue. Yeah, seriously, we're all going to ho- hover at uh, Pig and a Pickle. I've talked to Damon; he's excited. Damon Stainbrook, the owner of Pig and Another a Pickle. Damon. The other Damon, Damon's. and uh, he's a big fan of, of of Damon's, of mine, and of, of course a sponsor, proud sponsor, the title sponsor of the Krug Show, Pig and a Pickle. Check him out in Corte Madera and Emeryville. We'll be there, one o'clock to five o'clock on the seventeenth of December. Look, so I join us for a meet and greet. I got crazy love for Ike's, who is certainly uh, the biggest sponsor that I have over on Damon Bruce Plus. Hit subscribe, hit like, help us grow this thing. Larry and I are taking over the bay right here on YouTube. Stations be damned. Channels are better. And it is really, really good to be on this channel with you. Thank you for being here with us today. It means an awful lot. And look, if you are interested in becoming the title sponsor of 49ers Wake Up, we are in the business of looking for a new title sponsor. So reach out to Larry and I. Contact us either through YouTube channels or Twitter, there's a, great, yeah, there's a great advertising opportunity where we will deliver for you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of impressions before the end of this football season. So reach out if you're interested. There's a great opportunity for the biggest, quickest growing show out there. So, Larry, let's get into the Super Chats. What do we got? All right, we got uh, Gizmo Maltese says, why isn't Debo being used as a wide receiver more? Because he um, can't separate. He really can't, Larry. He, he is not fast enough to be a number one wide receiver. I like Debo, but he is he has got the type of wide receiver numbers that no starting I'm the number one wide receiver should have. He is he he, he is so foreign to seeing the concept of like an eight catch, hundred yard, hundred thirty yard game. It doesn't happen much. I love Debo, um, but he he's not a number one wide receiver. It's Brandon Ayuk's. Well, yeah, I mean, I agree. Ayuk is is uh, more of, has better ball skills, better route running, bigger, better catch radius, just you know, better. Debo's better run after the catch though, and Debo's a dynamic player run after the catch. So I love him on the end arounds. To me, 
Use Debo on end arounds. Use Debo on slants. I love him on on slants or anything around the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's a good receiver. He's just to me, he's not an elite down the field receiver. He's a receiver that you want to get him the ball in his hands where he's got two or three steps, and it's like good luck tackling that guy. Yeah. So I, I love the, I love the end arounds. If I if I was Shanahan, between the reverses and the end arounds, I would make sure Debo got the ball at least two, three times a game that way where he's got two, three steps to really get it rolling. Steven Pryor says 49ers need to get Brock a, a John Deere and let him mow Levi's before every game. Worked well for the bye week, maybe even at a strawberry field that he can harvest. Yeah, let's make Brock comfortable. Let's uh, let's give Brock a, you know, a, veg, a, a, <laughs> a farm right off off the practice field that he can uh, do some farm work. Well, what they got that living roof on top of the press box. So look at it this way. Steve Wilkes is no longer allowed anywhere near the press box. Let Brock go up there and garden. If he's, if he's comfortable doing that gardening with Purdy, Um, you know, let him do what he makes him comfortable. I couldn't believe the people that I I said to him, there was a picture of him and his girl girl in on a tractor near a tractor in Iowa during the bye week and I'm like, can you believe this guy? And <laughs> I mean, the poor rich Madrid and the hate crowd on, on 49er Twitter, just like, why are you ripping Brock? It's like, dude, read the freaking room, rich. It's nobody's ripping Brock. Everybody's it's like, why would you, why would it be? Why would anybody even be critical of an NFL quarterback who's helping out a farmer during his bye week? I mean, come on. The fact that anybody thought that was a rip on Brock was just, I mean, it just shows where people's heads are at. Um, we got this one's from Surratt. In two to three years, he will be a backup like Nick Mullins. Bet you he won't. <laughs> Bet you he won't. That's that. Thank you for paying $2 to be an idiot. Thank you. Thank you very much. You can be an idiot for $2 increments all day long. Say as much stupid shit as you want, but at least pay us $2. Surratt says, here's another two bucks. Don't talk down. Herbert, dot, dot, dot. He is elite. He's elite, God's sake, and lost again yesterday. Yeah, I mean, look, Herbert's not bad. He's great. He's very good. But he he can't win one possession games, like, ever. I, I mean, Herbert's really good. I yeah. just think I think Brock's really good. And I, I personally would rather have Brock because I think Brock, you know, plays the position at a higher level. But Herbert has bigger skills. He's got bigger stature, a better arm, uh, unbelievable release. In a lot of ways, he's the prototype. I get it. I get it. Oh, this is I great. think they're both going to be good. This next super chat is fantastic. Uh, Elanta three. We have no, we still have no idea how good Joe Montana was. We needed to see him without rice, Craig Clark cross fawn horse Walsh and Holmgren. That's, yeah, you know, that's, here's the thing. But he did go to Kansas City and win with like Willie Davis and Schottenheimer and those guys. And they, they got to the AFC Championship game. And I don't know. He was pretty good there. But right, no, that's the thing. He he was that good. Enough he's joking. I know this guy's joking. All, all boats in the harbor rise with him. Maybe Purdy is that. But again, Joe Montana was not that until the end of his career. Brock Purdy's at the beginning of his career. Can we let the guy go through his career before we try to evaluate it? I mean, he, you should only measure Brock against guys in his own draft class. And we're talking about he might be Joe Montana. Like, everyone needs to take a breath. But this is a really good start <laughs> for a really good player. And look, the, 
the the Brock Purdy, he's got too much talent around him for me to respect him individually. Like that experiment's already been run with Steve, with Steve Young in a weird way. Steve Young was in a bad situation early in his career, didn't do very much. He gets put in a good situation and turned into a Hall of Fame quarterback. Yeah. I mean, sure. Billick, I always quote Billick because Billick said this, and I really think it's genius. It, the hardest thing for football fans and observers to evaluate is the quarterback versus what's going on around the quarterback. And that's that's really it. I mean, good, bad, or otherwise. You know, um, are there a lot of great things going on around uh, Brock Purdy? Yeah. You got Shanahan. You got collection of the bevy of the best weapons in the game. But you also have an f- offensive line that is not great. And every football team has has a you know f- has flaws. Uh, the Niners weren't stopping the run. Um, I mean, I watched that Bengal game with the binoculars in hand on every snap from the uh, you know from the press box. I'll tell you right now, the story of that game was not Brock Purdy's ups uh, you know turnovers. It was the fact that the 49er defense was just gutted absolutely gutted in every way imaginable against the run, against the pass, against the screen. I mean, the Niners still haven't stopped Burrow and company. Um, so, I mean, that that was the story there. I mean, Brock kept them in it for three quarters, kind of running for his life, playing six days after he was concussed, and then turned it over in the fourth quarter, and everybody's like, Brock blew it. And it's like, dude, and the I, defense I, was a sieve. Look, I just don't understand the fan mentality that is, hey, this is the team that I root for. And even though we're on to something really good at the dawn of a career, I'm not going to be satisfied until everything around him goes totally wrong and then he shows that he can one-man army us right to the Super Bowl all by him fucking self. Like, or just the way, I mean, it's like, they're, you know, okay, so some weathermen say tomorrow it's going to rain. And that's really all we're doing by saying, hey, I think the guy's the guy or not the guy. We're playing like, you know, sports weathermen. Anybody can sit there the next day as it's raining and say, you know what? I think it's raining. Told you it was going to rain. <laughs> I mean, it <laughs> appears to be raining. Surratt, play of the game is the first interception turned into first touchdown uh, to B.A. Yeah, the play I mean, of the game for Brock was picking up a massive third down after the Ambry Thomas took it to the house, wasn't to the or, house because or, of the sideline violation. Yeah, the, or that I I agree. That was that was my play of the game yesterday. But I'll tell you the other one that's maybe the best play that I've seen him make was, you know, he takes this takes the drop. The offensive line is you know um, gives ground in his face. He's got a muddied pocket. He's leaning backwards. He notices Kittle's isoed on Devin Lloyd down the field and not didn't just get it out. He got it out and led him and threw a perfect dime and dropped it on him and beat Lloyd for a touchdown. What, three plays out of the half? Um, that was that was a tremendous play because that was the play that that the people that say he has a rag arm. You can't make that play, you know, throwing the ball off your back foot you know, not being able to step into it or follow through if you have a rag arm. He's got what I would call requisite arm strength. Uh, Ramon Gonzalez. Hey, guys, what happened on the Ambry touchdown? The Niners sideline morphed into the Stanford Cal band all in 1982. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think because Ambry. They thought he was down. Ambry thought he was down. Hafanga was like, hey, man, you're up and kind of lifted him up. It took a second and a half. In that second and a half, the Niners sideline 
including Johnny Holland and some of the players, came onto the field to play at the 19. And so they marked him basically down at the 19. Brock, as Damon described, really picked up his team by getting, you know, getting that next drive quickly to and, and getting deep on the end around. But it was the throw to Ayuk on third and nine that kind of kept that drive alive after the first two plays didn't go anywhere. And that was a big momentum shift in the game right there. It was, it was really uh, that that Debo end around really was the difference in the game um, in a lot of ways. We got this one from Surratt. Take Michael Penix Jr. and trade to the Packers for a seventh. I'll trade Brock to the Packers, I'm sure he's saying, right? Uh, yeah. I think we should just take Surratt's money at this point and not <laughs> give him any attention. Thank you, Surratt. <laughs> Uh, David, you gotta, you gotta love Surratt. He's donating to us. Hazy days says the whole is pretty elite debate is just another move. The goalposts maneuver since dink and dunk and the system quarterback fell on these naysayers faces. Yeah, that is so true. Yeah, that is so true. Let's get into, is he elite? Is he the guy? Um, he was the guy yesterday, wasn't he? Um, how about this one? RG teamster. Purdy is the sleeper minivan with a twin turbo V8. <laughs> you can fit two Great Danes, a Malamu. You can fit three dachshunds and four kids and a wife and a picnic basket and five armchairs. All it's a Chrysler Pacifica. And yes, uh, it's got, you know, it's a, it's got three beds in the back, but I can, I can, if I step on the gas, I'm going right on by you. Brock Purdy uh, is a white church van with a, with eight <laughs> rows in it. No. no, he's that Mercedes Benz van. Have you seen that? The Benz oh, van, like the $300,000 Mercedes Benz. van. It's like, you could have had a Rolls Royce or that you chose that. <laughs> Instead you had too many kids and you had to have a really expensive van. Gray tree game says, um, great to see Ambry. I like the great to see there. Great to see Ambry winter and winters on defense. Why not Mason for Mitchell and Mason and McCaffrey would be scary. What I agree. Mason do to lose any and all offensive touches. I don't get it. I, I mean, seriously, I mean, JP Mason, I mean, what, what happened? Did he, did he park in Shanahan's space at the facility? <laughs> I mean, what, what's going on? I may have to ask Shanahan that question this week. Hey, excuse me, Kyle. Is it true that JP Mason parked in your parking space in the facility? And that's why he never gets on the field. Did he uh, take your lunch in the lunchroom? Excuse me. What, what does JP Mason ever need to do to get on the field? Mike Baker, last I checked, Jimmy and Lance had the same talent. Surratt, I got perfect comparison for Purdy. It's Dobbs. Stop. Hey, Dobbs has way, been good, though. Dobbs has been of, good. He was making fun of Joshua Dobbs, who's... Uh, he's been traded twice this year. Dude, he's emerged <laughs> as one of the best stories in all of football. And he Why you would trade the, that guy? He Why would you trade him? Practice. Well, you trade him because Kyler Murray's now ready to play, I guess. And well, uh, you can't trade Kyler, I guess. I, I don't know. But yeah, we'll look at it this way. The Arizona Cardinals are a bad football team. I think that explains it more than anything else. Yeah. It's a poorly run franchise. Dobbs is good, though. James T. Kirk, all of my favorite content creators get a Levi Stadium 24-ounce domestic beer this week. Cheers, Victory Monday. Thank you. We're going to yeah. need more than 20 to pay for that, though, I think. so. But, but thank you. What's that? I think uh, there's no oh, way yeah, for the 24 ouncer domestics for 20 out of that. No way. At a warrior game, that would, you'd have to put it on layaway. You know, pay half now and half half later. 
Um, okay, we've we're an hour and forty minutes into this live stream. No mention of a story that Kyle Shanahan. And I, I agree with Kyle Shanahan. I said it first time this came up last week. People were like, "Is Steve gonna 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 sit in the booth, or is Steve gonna be on the sidelines?" To me, that was a. It shows where the NFL is. As, to me, that is like almost like a footnote that you would see in the program. Like, excuse me, 49er fans, uh, 49er media, welcome to the 49er game against Jacksonville. By the way, for your full knowledge, Steve Wilkes, 49er defensive coordinator, will be sitting, will be on the field today instead of up in the coach's box. Ooh. Enjoy the chicken nuggets. We'll be serving uh, complimentary uh, uh omelets all morning welcome to levi's stadium i mean you know it's like that's about what that should have deserved you know like something as minimal as that instead it's like <laughs> it's like people gathering around winston churchill uh excuse me is what he is moving there for what definitive reason and what will be the collective impact of his transition from the i mean it's like my god it was the biggest non-story and was Steve Wilkes on the sidelines the reason the Niners had a coordinated effort off uh, defensively? Was it the reason that guys didn't fall off tackles? Was it the reason that the coverage was tighter or the reason that Niner defensive linemen got off of blocks? No, no, it was not. But we love our drama. We love uh, football has become man soap opera. And because of it, it was like, let's talk about Wilkes. People are going to lead to this morning with, well, you know, let's get into it. Wilkes left the sideline and the 49ers got the win. You know, it's like Wilkes joined, I mean, left the box. And, you know, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, he can really communicate now. And uh, though there is no ambiguity. And I loved how he put his arm around uh, Mooney Ward and he gave him a pep talk. And uh, that, I mean, talk about things that don't matter. That was something that didn't matter. And Shanahan even said it in the post game. He's like, I cannot believe how much attention this little subplot or little note has gotten. That was a minimal difference, a major difference because athletes play these games. The major difference is the defensive back that was getting roasted and giving up a hundred percent completion percentage. Isaiah Oliver, the veteran free agent who ran four, six coming out of Colorado and probably runs four, seven. Now was replaced by Ambry Thomas who runs four, four. And that allowed Lenore to move inside to the slot. And guess what? For the first time all year, the Niners put their best three cover guys on the field and guess what? Their coverage was tighter. That was the story. But the Wilkes movement is the so talking point. So, Damon, go ahead. Weigh in. You heard Wilkes thought, said it was a bigger deal than it was. So did Shanahan. But the media said, we don't care. We are turning this into a soap opera. What did you think? Did it? What? Give me your take on the Wilkes move well, I, I coinciding you, with you, the... Uh, 
I told you a few weeks ago, if this team is getting to the other team's quarterback, I don't care if Wilkes is calling plays from a beach in Aruba. It doesn't matter where he is. Get the right players in the right spot to succeed. That's all that matters. He's not out there. He's not dressed like a cheerleader. He's not firing guys up. That's not how the NFL works. Like you said, he's not out there. We shall fight them on the beaches. We shall fight them on the sea. We shall fight them on the land. This is not the Germans have taken Paris. You know, I mean, Steve Wilkes had a good game. The reason we suck is Wilkes was sitting behind a pole. And he was, you know, I mean. Mike, Steve Wilkes' seat does not matter. It's obstructed view. He had an obst- it was right behind an I-beam at Fenway. He couldn't see Wade Boggs at third. That's why I didn't right. know what was going on. He was around an I-beam. No, it, 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 look, you know, look good, feel good, play good. If, if, the, if the team thinks that there is a, a level of communication that is better between Steve Wilkes being there than up there, then bring him on down. Like, whatever works, whatever makes the team feel more comfortable, just go with that. Um, oh, this was great when Bozzy Mion, LOL, Larry can't admit that he's wrong. No, Lazzy, uh, Bozzy Mion, you can't admit that you're wrong. The head coach said it was no, not a big deal. Steve himself said, guys, you're making way bigger deal about this. My take is that they're making too big a deal of this. I'm siding with the actual coaches and the actual football people who know that this is not a big deal. The bigger deal are the guys who play the game. The athletes, the biggest deal was that Oliver wasn't in there and Thomas was and Lenore was inside. That was the story. I asked Shannon, how are you getting faster? He dodged it. Well, uh, what do you think? They got faster. They took a 4-6 corner and they said, sit down. They took a 4-4 corner and said, get in there. That, and, and surprise, surprise, the 4-4 corner has tighter coverage than the 4-6, 4-7 corner. That's, that was what happened. Football is about especially pass coverage. The key to pass coverage is pass coverage. In other words, you got to have dudes. you got to have athletes. And the Niners put their best athletes on the field. That was the beaches. This is our (laughs) finest hour. When Steve looked Greenlaw in the eye and he said, go out there and play ball. That was the difference. I heard that Nick Bosa had Steve Wilkes stayed in the press box, Nick Bosa just wasn't even going to sack the quarterback. <laughs> he wasn't going to even. Sh- he uh, yeah, might not I, have I, shown I, up for the game. He was. He was thinking about it, and he said, "If he shows up on the sideline, I'll play hard." But and not until I see him. Not until I see that guy on the sideline will I know he really has my best interests. Here's home. another one: five man fronts were huge. That's a real football thing. Before that was a real adjustment. So real adjustments and real uh, personnel, you know, changes make impact where the defensive coordinator sits in this whole thing. No impact. But I mean, we whatever. I mean, it, it, they won. It's great. And the other question that nobody ever asked and I wanted to get from Steve is, um, you know, you've been coaching for 20 something years. How many of those years did you spend on the sidelines? How many of those years did you spend in the box? I guarantee you it's a mix, right? It's not going to be like up 100% of the time in the box, up 100% of the time in the field. It's a mix. What I don't understand about the NFL, and it could just solve these problems and make them totally irrelevant, is why not make the the ability to communicate with the player and the receiver in their helmets? Everyone should have a green dot helmet. Every, what, why not? Why not the entire team hear the play that's coming in so they know what's going on? I th- like to me, 
the NFL needs to eliminate making communicating hard. There's no point in, in, in making communication part and parcel of whether your team is executing well or not. There's too many people watching. It's too much about entertainment. We want the best product, whatever the, whatever would deliver the best product. And if a level of communicating easier delivers a better product, make it easier. I just don't understand. Like there should be no sign stealing scandal surrounding the Michigan football program because they shouldn't be holding up like cartoon characters and signs of, you know, the, the, a Mickey Mouse and would all the, all the stupid cardboard boxes that they're holding up on the sideline. Why not just have your offensive coordinator talk to your quarterback through his helmet microphone? Like, wouldn't Did that you be- see the Michigan uh, game this weekend that they, the guy had a sign in the pregame he said, our other sign looked better, but but Jim Harbaugh stole it. That's pretty good. Well, and did you see that freaking uh, interim head coach who talked about Jim Harbaugh as if he had died at halftime? We did this for coach. Oh, my God. But Jim means so much to us. Why was he so emotional there? He's sitting on the bus waiting for the team right now. What are you talking about, bud? <laughs> He's swearing yeah. all over national television. Yeah, he's dropping f bombs. This is the shit we've been through. We fucking <laughs> love them. Oh my god! <laughs> Indiana lost at Illinois in overtime with more dignity than going out like a bitch <laughs> like that at the Happy Valley. Good God! Uh, by the way, the safest bet of the week was Iowa at home against Rutgers minus one. I think they won twenty-two nothing. That was the easy cash this weekend. Surratt. Says Dobbs is a good, is a good and good story like Brock, but can't be a starting quarterback for any team for long. That's my whole point. I like Brock Purdy's. I like Brock Purdy. I am happy to have Brock Purdy for now, but we can do better than him. Have a good day, guys. <laughs> Thank you very much, Surratt, for another $10 bill. Um, again, if you can do better than the number one quarterback rating in football, 17 games into his career, go ahead. Why is why is why is it not good enough? I mean, they they've scored thirty plus points six times this year, the most of any team in the NFL. Why is that not good enough? Not good I mean, enough. We we when when the guy when Brock was beating Dallas three weeks ago or four weeks ago, people you know we were all saying, hey, you know what? It's not going to be this easy. There's going to be adversity. There's going to be games he doesn't play well. There's going to be games that he throws picks. I mean, we all could intellectually grasp it at that point that even though he was appearing to be awesome and really un, almost un, unflat, his resume was like the best of all time uh, through this many games. Um, and yet we all could intellectually grasp that it wasn't going to continue. We knew he wasn't going to win every game. He wasn't going to have games that he never threw picks. Um, it's happened to everybody from Montana to Brady to I told you in Tom Brady's second year, there was a four game stretch where he threw seven interceptions. But like, you know, that was like nobody mentioned that. <laughs> it was like, yeah, no, it never happened. No, it actually did. And Joe Montana in the NFC title game in 81 before he won that thing with to Dwight Clark. Didn't he throw three picks earlier in that game? So, I mean, I don't know. It's just we we just need to we just it's an emotional game. And it's um, and, um, and people get emotional about it. Um, and it's very much we didn't have Twitter in 1981. Otherwise, people would have tweeted out Montana ain't him, only to see him. You know, only to be deleting that tweet. I wish Bill three Walsh, hours later. I wish Bill Walsh showed more emotion on the sideline. <laughs> right, right. Well, I mean, there were a lot of people that said that uh, Walsh was the key to Montana. 
Walsh, you know, Montana's not good. It's just he's got Walsh. Seriously. He's Even going into the 84 Super Bowl, yeah. it was like Marino is the real deal. Montana's a guy who was, you know, just a function of Bill Walsh. And that's why Joe Montana went out and kicked ass that day and won the Super Bowl MVP. And, uh, you know, it was spectacular because it was like he was driven by this, this like doubt. So, you know, Brock's not the first to have doubters. By the way, sure. by the way, there should be no doubters about the strength and potential of 49ers wake up. Larry, I just got a text from uh, 49er wake up executive producer, director and coordinator, Kevin Kruger. Yes. Uh, Talented young lad. He is. I don't know. Sometimes I refuses to make his bed. Sometimes the apple does fall far from the tree is all I can <laughs> exactly, say. Exactly. Um, 49ers wake up right now. The two of us across both of our channels have more than a thousand viewers in the room. Um, 95.7 is at 574. KNBR is at 337. In other words, Larry, you and I have more viewers right now than both Bay Area sports talk radio stations, morning shows combined. And um, thank you. Thanks to everyone who's made that choice. I think uh, I, 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 I'm glad that you are here. It's wonderful to have you on 49ers Wake Up. And this is a show that is absolutely taking over the Bay Area. And we're doing it because of your response. So thank you very much. Once again, I'm going to ask anyone who's following uh, Larry to subscribe to yours truly. Anyone who would be following me or subscribing to me, but not Larry, you must correct that mistake in your life. We will bring you adult-sized content that 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 has more to talk about other than. Well, do you think that that Kyle Shanahan should be fired for leaving Christian McCaffrey in? <laughs> I know there was. It's funny when Brock when they lost to the Bengals, it was a it was a lot of hate about Brock, and then yesterday they went thirty four three, and so the the hate mongers have to like focus in on Shanahan. I Shanahan, I can't believe Shanahan. Now we're filibustering about, you know, what the way Han Shanahan handled CMC in garbage time. I agree with those people, but come on, guys. I mean, this yet the story this morning should be overwhelmingly positive. The Niners rolled into a game they had to have um, on the heels of three straight losses. Could they circle the wagons on their season after this five and zero start? People saying they, you know, you know, what were they going to do? Their O line was not as good as Jacksonville's D line, and you know they were going to lose at the line of scrimmage. The Niner D line dominated Jacksonville's O line. Niners dominated on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They controlled the game from the opening drive. They ran for 144 yards against the top run defenses, one of the top run defenses in the NFL. They sacked Trevor Lawrence five times. Uh, Nick Bosa became Nick Bosa again. Chase Young. Um, they had the Buckeye sandwich on on uh, on uh, Trevor Lawrence and, and Chase Young was fantastic. I mean, Chase Young, I thought, looked really, really good. Uh, that was a great addition. And, you know, the Jaguars, you know, had a as Damon said, had a five possession stretch where they just got dominated, fumbled, kicked a field goal through a pick, fumbled through another pick. Um, and the Niners harassed Lawrence. Kittle had a bust-out performance. Um, you know, McCaffrey finished with 142 total yards. And Purdy took care of the football, and they, they won going away. So, I mean, this overwhelming story 
from yesterday's game is a positive story. There's no doubt. Eric Armstead injured his right ankle in the first half, but he returned a couple yeah, plays later. Bosa took a knee for longer than anyone wanted to see, but he went right back in, thank goodness. Um, Hargrave had his best game as a Niner. Seems like they got out of that one healthy and then pointed in the right direction again, and that's all you were really hoping for. I, I did think we started the show bringing up this point. I really thought uh, that that was among the biggest games of Kyle Shanahan's head coaching professional life. It wasn't going to dictate whether or not he was fired. There is no hot seat to be found around Kyle Shanahan, but in all the ways a big game matters to a coach, you need it today, coach. Kyle needed that one, and he didn't get it by a little. He got it by a lot. It was an emphatic demonstrative win for the 49ers who dominated on the line of scrimmage and just about everywhere else around it as well. So it, it couldn't really have gone better than it did for the 49ers in Jacksonville. Larry, let's plow through the rest of these uh, starred and pin tweets, and then we're going to go around the league. And then I'm going to invite everyone to come over and watch a uh, little uh, Damon Bruce Plus. We're going to be talking about the Buckeye bookends at 11 o'clock. And we're going to get into some Warriors basketball and a few other things since we have more than tilled the ground of this 49ers win right here on 49ers wake up. But let's, let's go through this, through the starred chats and, uh, and then we'll go around the league. All right. Well, we've gone through them except for the last couple here. Surat, we hit that one. Got that we, one. We got Mike Baker, uh, Mike Baker, 499 says, you guys are shattering my undying faith in social media comment and analysts. <laughs> Seriously, thanks for a great show. Thank you, Mike. And uh, and great content, even though it's great, great content. I think you meant great. Yeah, thanks for watching, Mike. Really appreciate it. Um, yeah, no, that we've, we've gone through all of the super chats. We had right, 35 in there. You ready to bounce around the NFL? Because yeah, let's do few, it. A few things that happened yesterday. First of all, look, all jokes aside, congratulations to Antonio Pierce, who has shown up and gotten the Raiders to play a better brand of football that is a happier, more connected, if I can borrow from Steve Kerr's uh, lexicon of, of, of sports sayings. Uh, the Raiders are better with him than they were with Josh McDaniel. I don't think it's even... Um, uh, questionable. You can see that team is is lighter on its feet. It's happier. It's bouncier. Now they've swept the New Yorks, which is no great shakes. Neither one of those teams should be allowed on television for the remainder of this season. But all I could help but think of is as the Raiders were getting into the win column was watch this team close this year in a somewhat impressive fashion. And Mark Davis is going to go ahead and replace Antonio Pierce with like Bill Belichick if he gets let go or some bad idea like like I think the Raiders might well, have I don't know they call that a bad idea hiring Bill Belichick is now a bad idea no I don't know if that's a bad idea but look, if, you got a, <laughs> if you got a young team that is responding to a young coach who is feeling good about being here I you know yeah it would be just like the Raiders to find a little success and then move off it for like John Gruden's son who, you know, takes Muay Thai or something like that. Did he you really watch the game, though, yesterday? Because I bet the Raiders last night and I because I, I I saw the Jets the week before and I'm like, there's no way the Raiders are losing to that team. Uh, but the Raiders back in the, that they, the last night. I mean, those guys, those two teams said offensive football back deck. Yeah, they weren't good. I mean, it wasn't good. It was bad. Aiden well, O'Connell was 16 of 27 for 153 yards. He was sacked three times. Uh, the Raiders ran it with Jacobs 27 times. Yeah, Jacobs won the game. Jacobs won the game, but 
But I mean, the Raiders had, there were so many negative plays. They can't utilize, they can't figure out a way to utilize Devontae Adams. They actually have really great weapons. I mean, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams, Michael Mayer, the rookie tight end, Jacoby Myers is having a nice year. They have, you know, they've got some weapons. Hunter Renfro, Austin Hooper, um, Garrett Wilson was sure, sure good for the Jets last night. But the Raiders just, they don't, they're just, there's such inconsistency. Dude, and they look, fumbled three I times. I mean, they fumbled they three times. Wilson? Robert Sala needs to stop dyeing that stupid beer of beard of his and get someone other than Zach Wilson to play quarterback. Like that guy's non-functional. He is uh, he's unfunctional. He was their leading rusher and leading, you know, he was their quarterback and their leading rusher. I mean, uh, he, he wasn't good. I mean, no. he you know, he's he just doesn't instill instill confidence. I mean, this is this is why you know, per, what Purdy's doing is spectacular is that it's difficult to play quarterback in the NFL. As a young player, there are growing pains, you know, um, and Wilson's going through them. He was 23 of 39 for 263. He makes some amazing plays. He ha- he showed some mobility in this game, which is, you know, really good. I mean, I think that's part of I think he's going to improve over time. But, man, I mean, it's just they don't have a whole lot. I mean, Brees Hall ran for 28 yards. Um, their defense is really, really good, but is what it really score. Is. The, the offensive line has gotten Aaron Rodgers hurt. They can't do anything. Um, the Cowboys, Larry, yeah. are back in the picture, I guess, a little bit in terms of NFC quality because they outgained the New York Giants, who are really just dreadful. They out um, they outgained the Giants by 468 yards. It's the biggest yardage difference in an NFL game in 44 years. So that was Giants a, were playing Tommy DeVito at quarterback. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he threw he threw for 86 yards. He was Kyler, sacked five yeah. times. Yeah, it's it, there's nothing to even talk about there. Kyler Murray, he wins his first game back after a 335 day absence, coming off of a torn ACL and what snaps a six game losing streak for the Arizona Cardinals. Again, talent matters. That kid is he he might not be the most disciplined quarterback, but his talent is off the charts and he just wins. I mean, there's a reason why he's won more games in Texas high school football than any other human has ever lived. Like he, he just wins. Yeah. So. And that, that Colorado state kid, uh, the tight end McBride had a huge day, 131 yards on eight catches. Um, Buda Baker's now back and healthy for the Cardinals. I mean, the Cardinals are, you know, they've got some interesting players. You always got to kind of keep tabs on them. B.J. Ojolari is starting to emerge there. He had a couple sacks. Uh, Buda Baker and Kazir White combined for 21 tackles. Yeah, I mean, and and Kyler, say what you want. I mean, he's a force as a runner. He's a, He had six carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. He had a 13-yard run. Uh, he threw for 250. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm kind of a Kyler fan. I know he's not quite um, gotten to the point where people trust him and there's more development there, but he's not a bad quarterback. Um, Josh Dobbs is not a bad quarterback and the respect should be real. Like the Vikings beat the saints. Uh, they have now won two in a row. Where does it go? I don't know, but Dobbs is, is better than anyone thought. Um, the Steelers, Rose, he's a, he's a genius. He's a, you know, he's, he's super smart. He's very athletic. Um, I mean, look how quickly he learned their system. He gives you something as a runner. Um, you know, he's, he's nice. I mean, yeah. he, he's a really, he, I think he was a, aeronautical engineering major or something like that at Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, he's, 
He's super bright. He's super athletic. Um, he hasn't played tons of quarterback, but the year he's had this year is impressive. He is he is one in nearly unwinnable situations. Meet the Cardinals, win a game. Show well, how about this? I think no practice, win games. I think the, my takeaway in that game was that I think Jameis Winston might be the guy the Saints ought to go with over Derek Carr. I mean, Derek Maybe. Carr is so so you know captain checkdown at this point. Um, I'm, I'd almost rather, I think they, they might be better off going with Jameis. CJ Stroud is the real deal, Larry. Oh my God. Yeah, uh, the Texans beat the Bengals in one of the games yesterday that really upset a lot of survival pools. I bet, um, that no one really expected that. And you got to give D'Amico an awful lot of credit for the way that he has put this, you know, rookie quarterback in winnable situation after winnable situations. It's like he's, I don't want to say dumbed down. That's a, he, he has streamlined the playbook to accentuate what Stroud is comfortable with. And when you got a first-year coach doing that, that, that's a good sign. The Texans are a lot better this year than they were last year and got to feel great about their future with C.J. Stroud, who's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, and, you know, they, they've got some pretty good offensive line play there going right now. Uh, they have... You know, the Bengals only got one sack all day. They only had four hits on the quarterback. And they do they do a great job of protecting Stroud. Singletary ran for 150 in this game. Devin Singletary has now reemerged in Houston. They didn't even have Nico Collins. He was out. But they drafted this kid, Tank Dell, out of Houston, who's just, you know, big play guy. And he had six catches for 56 yards. He got in the end zone. And then defensively, you know, they've, they've made a lot of good calls. I mean, D'Amico's a really good uh, coach, but, I mean, going and bringing in Sheldon Rankins, Rankins had three sacks yesterday and four hits on the quarterback on Joe Burrow. So, um, you know, they and they, they hit with the kid out of Alabama in the top of the first round. They hit with Stroud. Uh, they, you know, they hit on on Rankins. I mean, they've, they've got some nice pieces there. They've got a, two pretty good tackles. They've got some good weapons. You know, Houston's going to be a playoff team in the AFC, and and as Stroud continues to play this way, they're going to be a force. They might be able to pull an upset in the AFC playoffs. By the way, I think we can take the uh, the, the Mike Baker comment down. It's been up for like ten minutes, um, but thank you for, again, Mike, for the for the compliment. Um, the Steelers are the quietest six and three team in football. By the way, Digital Drew now a member for nine months. He says like the stream. Sub to both channels, get a shirt, tell a friend, but most of all, Wilkes moving mattered. Gonna <laughs> die on this hill, Larry. <laughs> We're gonna fight them on the beaches and in the land. Dunkirk. When Steve Wilkes um, put his hands on Mooney Ward's shoulder pads and said, That was a hell of a play, young man. I believe in you. I believe in you. Then he looked at Greenlaw and he said, Dre, sweep the leg sweep the leg and then he kind of used a motion like this and he sweep the leg that's nick, what made the niner defense step up yesterday nick i wasn't gonna ask you for one and a half sacks from way <laughs> up there but now that i'm down here i'm asking you for one and a half sacks get it for me get it for me um do it for me the Steelers, like I said, they're the quietest six and three. It could be six and five, though. Their next two games are at Cleveland and at Cincinnati. The Ravens were becoming the loudest team in football, but they lose a home game to the Browns. And now the Browns are six and three. 
what what is going on with this Cleveland Browns team? They might not be like they're not done, Larry. The Cleveland Browns are going to have something to say before this year is over. Very weird team. I mean, they lose Nick Chubb for the year. Yesterday, they almost ran for 200 yards without him um, of almost five yards of carry against the number one defense in the game. What the Raven, what the Browns are is really good on the line of scrimmage. Yep. They're really good on the line of scrimmage. They got, they've got a good defensive line. They've got, you know, talent on their offensive line. Miles Garrett might be the defensive player of the year. Amari um, Cooper's got crazy ball skills. Jerome Ford is and, and Kareem Hunt have stepped in without Chubb. And have been really good. I mean, Jerome Ford ran for six point three a carry yesterday. Um, it's all about Deshaun Watson. Can Deshaun take care of the football and and play good ball? Um, he's got decent receivers: Najoku, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, and then defensively, Coromoa is amazing. He had seven tackles and a half sack yesterday. Uh, they added Zadarius Smith. Miles Garrett's great. They're great in the in the back end too. I mean, Greg Newsome. Denzel Ward. Um, these are some of the best defensive players in the game. Yeah. Martin Emerson had a huge game for them. Grant Delpit. I mean, Thornhill. They've got they're real. That's a really good defense. And and the guy that just makes me sick is the Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. I mean, I absolutely knew this guy was going to be fantastic. And he's he's every bit as good as I thought. I mean, he is just really, really good. They got him in the second round, 52nd pick overall. The Lions, Larry, the Lions are seven and three. The Chargers lose yet another one possession home game. It's like it's 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 the same movie every weekend for the L.A. Chargers. Um, but let me just set up who the Lions are, how they've started and where it probably goes here. The Lions are probably the first or second seed in the NFC, just based on the fact that they're already seven and three. They're riding a two game winning streak right now. And their next games are, I mean, they just got a lot of winnable in front of them, even though this is a tough league and you never just assume you're going to beat anybody. But the the next opponents for the 7-3 and three Lions are the Bears, the Packers, at the Saints, at the Bears, Broncos, at Vikings. They could easily go 4-2 and two in that six-game stretch. They could go 5-1. and one in that they, The road to stretch. the Super Bowl could roll through Detroit this year. It could. It really Absolutely good. good. The Jared scene, Goff's playing great, yeah. and 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 they've got two backs that are really good, and David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs. They have the best young offensive line in the game right now. They got a true number one receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. I don't think it's their year because they don't rush. Their defense has lost a lot. You know, they lost Emmanuel Mosley for a year. They they don't. You know, they didn't get any sacks yesterday. Um, you know, even Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson's like a one-man gang on their defensive line, um, but they're coming. They're coming. I th- yeah. I think they're I think they're a year away from being. If they have another great draft, they're probably a year away from being the team in the NFC to to look for in the future. The Seahawks are a quiet six and three, but they. The Seahawks are about to hit the single hardest five-game stretch I think anyone has in football all year, Larry. They've got, the Seahawks do, they got the Rams coming off of a bye week coming up on Sunday. Then it's the 49ers on Thanksgiving. Then they're at Dallas, then at the 49ers, and then they play the Eagles. 
Like that's a brutal five game stretch. The Seahawks are six and three. There's a very good chance that they're six and eight after this five game stretch. It's it's savage. Again, Rams off a bye, 49ers at Dallas, at 49ers, Eagles. You can't find um, a harder five game stretch. Yeah. I mean, Seattle's Seattle's got some good players. Uh Devin Witherspoon, I think, is as good a rookie corner as I've seen in a long time. He he's just fantastic. Uh, but and they added Leonard Williams and Frank Clark to their front line. But I, I don't think they're good enough on the line on, on the defensive line. And, you know, Gino, I don't really believe in Gino in, in crunch time. Um, and then, they, you know, they at the end of the day, it's like Seattle the last couple of years hasn't done a great job stopping the run. They gave up almost five yards of carry to the commanders yesterday. Um, Jackson Smith, the, the rookie receiver, has been just okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I think that you can throw, like, like against, against Seattle, I think the Niners are going to have a field day throwing to McCaffrey Brian Robinson there the the commanders uh, running back yesterday caught six balls on six targets for 119 yards and a touchdown um, Antonio Gibson their other back five catches on on six targets so they threw 11 passes to their or 12 passes to their running backs and com- and completed 11 for you know 150 plus yards and two touchdowns I think the Niners are going to be able to throw it to their backs all day. Finally, the Buccaneers who get to Levi Stadium on Sunday are like a decent four and five. I mean, there's no reason to try to pretend what they're not doing when they're doing some things that are kind of impressive. Look, there are no easy games out there. But I'll say this, when they face the elite of the NFC, they've been kind of slapped down a little bit. They lost by two touchdowns to the Eagles. They lost by two touchdowns to the Lions. But they were in one possession losses to the Falcons, Bills, and Texans, and all three of those teams are, are you know, okay. Um, um, they just beat the Titans at home on on Sunday. So, you know, all I'm telling you is that a good way to lose to the Buccaneers would be to look past them. So, is you know, if the Niners don't do that, I think that they handle their business. They're going to be favored. They'll probably be favored by uh, you know eight points uh, going into this game with a home game in, in the Buccaneers. But um, Buccaneers aren't bad, Larry. Like, Baker no. Mayfield is is well, is having an okay year. Yeah, and he's got, you know, I mean, he's got some really good receiving weapons. Mike Evans um, had a huge day yesterday. Chris Godwin can catch the ball and run a route. Of course, Rashad White, um, you know, was, was a factor in the pass game yesterday. The tight end, Kate Otten's a little underrated. Uh, but to me, what's scary about them is the other side of the ball. Antoine Winfield is playing his ass off. Uh, he's the, the the safety. And they had 13 hits on the quarterback yesterday. 13. That is a ton. Vita Vea, Yaya Diaby, the rookie from Louisville, Shaq Barrett, Elijah Cansey, the rookie from Pitt, Devin White. All these guys had multiple hits on the quarterback. Uh, Winfield got one himself. By the way, it's coming in. Uh, you, you got a gambling centric audience here saying the Niners are already minus 10, minus 10 and a half, depend on where you look. So there you go. I was underestimating yeah. minus eight. So, um, it, 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 but I'm just saying the Niners offensive line is going to be challenged. The Niner defensive backs are going to be challenged. They better be ready to go next week because those receivers are real. And those defensive players I just named, every one of those guys is real. So, I mean, Buccaneers, 
can put heat on the quarterback and make things a bad day for the Niners uh, by, you know, disrupting the rhythm of Brock Purdy. So Niner O-line is going to be majorly challenged next week. Larry, this was a, a great day for us. Great day for 49er Wake Up. Thanks to so many people for coming on by. Again, hit that like button. Hit subscribe. Whether you're subscribing to me or Larry, you should be subscribing to both. What we have over here is uh, is is really growing, and the takeover is real. I can't wait to see what this is a couple years from now, Larry. My God, much less this year. It's been a fun year. The 49ers are pointed in the right direction again. They're back on track for a season that could end in a very, very special way. It's good to see the truth of their season sort of come back to the surface in Jacksonville. Um, great win. Great no show. Great You're win. Great partner. <laughs> we had a fun, fun time. Thanks to everybody. Once again, if you'd like to be the sponsor of uh, a 49er wake up, just DM me or Damon. Uh, thanks to everybody, all the supers and all the people, all the commenters. And uh, let's see, I think we have everybody. Oh, no, we have one more here. Here you go, Larry. We have achieved. <laughs> James Foster says, Walter. <laughs> I love the air horn. James Foster says, losses to Minnesota. Excuse me. Choking here. Losses to Minnesota and Cleveland don't look bad now. Wins against Jacksonville, Pittsburgh, and Dallas look better and better. Lions holes on defense and at some point uh golf. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you believe in Jared Goff with money on the table? But yeah, that's gonna do it for us. Thanks to everybody. Damon, what do you got cooking on the channel the rest of the day today? So we're gonna go over, we're gonna do a little bit more 49er recapping. We're also gonna talk some warriors and some things that happened around the NFL when the show starts at 11 over on Damon Bruce Plus later on this week. Uh, Matt Mayoko is going to stop on by for a 49er State of the Union. I really thought we needed to see the results in Jacksonville before we knew what the State of the Union was. Now that those are in, I'm looking forward to talking to Matt Mayoko at some point in time this week. I'm sure you and I will be circling back together. We'll be tapping into someone maybe in the Tampa Bay media to start previewing that game later in the week. Um, some really interesting stuff going around uh, Bay Area sports and beyond. And uh, I look forward to everyone hopefully subscribing and coming on over show starts at 11. What do you got coming up, Larry? Um, you know, I think I'm going to be doing some videos. Kyle talks later today. So I'll do a reaction video there. Um, Monday it's Monday. So I normally join grant at some point at, uh, today. So we'll visit with grant. I think tomorrow, Dave Lombardi is going to be in the house on the Krug show. Wednesday is the call-in show with Kev. Uh, Thursday, it'll be Vish and I reuniting, and it feels so good. Friday will be me and Chase Sr. I'll be down at the Niner Complex on Wednesday and Thursday. Saturday, the coach joins me. Sunday, we'll be ready for Niner football, and we'll, of course, be reacting to all the scintillating giant Shohei Otani rumors. Um, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll talk a little Warriors. I'll do a bunch of videos all week long. So check, keep your, keep your channel locked on the Krug show. One thought though, before we jet, I am seeing that CD lamb this morning has said after his third straight game with 10 plus catches on 150 plus receiving yards, I'm the best wide receiver in the NFL. Um, okay. Whatever. Where, where are who in your mind, who is the best wide receiver in the NFL? Because in don't my know mind, it's not C.D. Lamb. I don't know if anyone's having a more impactful career than A.J. Brown, right? Or an impactful season for the Eagles. He's been, he's been great this year. Yeah. Um, what about, see, I would say it's either 
to me, it's a Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, um, Puka Nakua. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Puka Nakua, buddy. I've met Puka Nakua. You're no Puka Nakua. <laughs> I know Lloyd Benson. Lloyd, that was Lloyd Benson's line. I knew John F. Kennedy. John yeah, F. No, Kennedy no, was no, a friend of mine. Let me tell you, sir, you know John F. Kennedy. Uh, <laughs> great stuff. All right. I'll say Jamar Chase. Come on, Jamar Chase. How could you not go with Jamar Chase? Damon, have a great day. Peace to everybody. Thanks to Pig and a Pickle. Thanks to Ike Sandwiches. Uh, have a great Monday. Uh, and to all you Brock Purdy's, uh, Brock Purdy haters, enjoy your day. <laughs>